this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Might I understand you've been still hanging around with Dr. Emmett Brown, McLean? It's a tardy slip for you. I believe that makes four in a row. But let me give you a nickel's worth of free advice, young man. This so-called Dr. Brown is dangerous. He's a real nutcase. You hang around with him, you're going to end up in big trouble. you got a real attitude problem, McLean. You're a slacker. You remind me of your father when he was here. He was a slacker, too. I noticed your band is on the roster for the dance auditions after school today. Why even bother, McLean? You don't have a chance. You're too much like your old man. No McLean ever mounted anything in the history of St. Paul. Yeah, well, history's going to change. When we reach 50 episodes of this podcast, you're going to see some serious shit. It's Back to the Future on the Pod of Dreams. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. And if you do, could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. For crying out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... <laughs> can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. All right, Eric. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pod of Dreams. If you listen, we will pod. I'm here. I'm Ben. I'm here with Eric. We are talking Back to the Future, which is number two on my top five favorite movies of all time list. So to recap, Eric and I have been going back and forth, starting at number five, picking our personal favorites. We're ignoring any considerations of artistic merit and general artistic consensus. We don't care about any of that shit. We are talking about our personal favorites. And we got to my number two today, Back to the Future. Um, Eric, I already know that... Really, really like this movie. Um, are you like me in that you've seen Back to the Future more times than you could possibly count? Absolutely. I, I can't remember not having seen this movie. Like, I don't remember the first time I saw it. It's just one of those things that right. it's just in my memory banks, everything about this movie. But it is one of those movies that when you, it, it's such a weird phenomenon when you watch something as a little kid and you have memories and you love it in a lot of ways, and then seeing it as an adult and how different it really is like the whole thing is different to me the whole i mean uh, the parts i enjoy are just i think universal but like there, there's so many nuances to this movie that i just did not get as a kid oh a bazillion uh it's it's load so i mean there are a lot of movies that are i mean i think sometimes you talk about movies that are almost like psychological comfort food you just watch them and you're happy and they make you happy to watch it and it just feels good to see it again. And I, I think like maybe Inception's like that for you or Heat. Movies you just like feel good to watch. Now, there are actually a lot of these movies that I've had for a long time. And some of them are like, you know, Flight of the Navigators movie I loved as a kid. But it didn't age with me. It just, it, it stayed in the past. It didn't grow with me and I was done with it and I outgrew it. And some kind of change. And sometimes I like them for the same reason. This is a movie. It has stuck with me since I've been a kid. I've never not loved it. And I've watched it, and the movie's kind of grown and deepens every time I watch it, and it's stayed with me. At the same time, it's like the second I just see the clocks ticking in that intro, I'm like, all right, I'm The, cl- the I'm clocks here, ticking back to again. start the movie is unbelievable. What an amazing way. To, it's sort of a movie about time travel. Like, incredible shit. Yeah. And you get foreshadowed. You get the uh, guy hanging from the clock, which is from, uh, I think, Safety Last, an old Harold Lloyd silent movie, which doesn't matter, but obviously foreshadows. 
Doc Brown's going to be kind of hanging from the clock towards the end of the movie. But you also and learn I'm like, so I'm right much. There. You learn so much about Doc Brown by just seeing his lab, just seeing the clocks and all his gadgets. You don't even know. I mean, yeah. For the first, if this is the first time you're seeing this movie, you have no idea what any of this is. But you learn so much about who this guy is that you don't see for another what I don't know, twenty minutes, half hour before he's actually it's closer, in the movie. Yeah, we we hear his voice and we see where he like lives before we yeah, we get to introduce introduced to him because um, marty goes to school yeah, it's, he gets it's, it's a great way to start it principal, principal. His girlfriend i mean there's all that before he even well, looks uh, up with yeah we meet all the other characters that we see i mean we get to see biff and his family and his girlfriend and his life before we see doc brown um but it, it just sets the stage so well and and marty as well we don't we see him walking in we get his shoe level shots so he's walking around and we don't really see his face until after he plays the little mini guitar, gets blasted halfway across the shit. room. The pick is like You're shining like, and he shreds and the, it blows up. It's unbelievable. What an incredible way to start a movie. No, it's, uh, it's, and it's right there. But even the, like, the second I see that, I'm like, all right, I'm here again. I'm, I'm warm blanket. I'm happy. I'm not thinking about so many other th- I'm just thinking about how much I love this movie and I'm kind of escaping. Well, it's um, into the reality like, of this movie. Is this this isn't a kids movie, and that's I think the weird thing about it. And there was that era of movies like Gremlins. It's definitely not a movie for children, but I saw it as a kid, and it you know, think of it as a movie for kids, but it's certainly not. That's like a really adult movie, and this is a perfect example of that too. Like how how many kids in our generation saw this movie? Every single kid did, but it's it's a really adult movie. I mean. Went, we'll get into some of the stuff that like I didn't jump out at me watching it this time, but like when you see the town, you know we're talking about the the intro where Marty kisses his girlfriend and that whole beginning. Like behind him, there's like horn movie theaters and like bail bonds. Oh, yeah. Like this city of Hill Valley is like a shithole in this yeah. reality in this future that he's in. It's like it's a complete shitty town, and you know we jump back and it's this ideals fifties community, but like. His also his life and like his dad's a fuck up who's working some job he hates. His mom just sits there and drinks straight Kharkov vodka, just pouring it. At gla- I mean, just getting shit bone on a weeknight or whatever because she's unhappy. It's kind right. of a miserable life, but like I'd caught none of that stuff when I was a kid. No, I didn't. I mean, it's weird. I can kind of remember like finally like understanding bits over the years. Like there's times like. I, at some point, I have a very many times I watched it before I had this realization. I've got an uncle who's in jail, and that's what the cake was for, and he didn't get released really on because I didn't know what, what bail was when I was eight or whenever I saw right. this the first time, or six or whenever. Like, I don't know what that was. And I didn't get, oh, yeah, the baby, I guess, likes to be in jail. He likes yeah. being locked up. Better get used that's to those, why he's in better prison. Use those bars. Like, it. It was like, oh, he just likes me. Like at some point, that clicked. Like, and there's just all these little moments that like adjusted, figuring out like the the black band members right there smoking weed in the, the, the car. a big puff of smoke, and, yeah. and they're like, I don't want to get messed with any reefer addicts. Like, yeah. oh, there's so much going on that I didn't know the first 10, 20 times I watched it, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. They're just getting really stoned in that before they go back in and play more music to these high school kids in Although, the Valley. The idea um, yeah. that some white kid is the one that taught Chuck Berry how to play guitar is maybe not a thing that has age great about this movie, but... No, it, it hasn't. Um, and I don't even know, did John W. Good come out before 1955? I mean, it feels like that's right around... I mean, I don't know. It's probably 1956 or something. Yeah, it's fine. I, I forgive the absurdity of that. Um, but uh, it, it just, it deepens. I mean, there's so much to say. I mean, because this movie I like because it's it's fun escapism, but there's something interesting going on too about time travel and human choice and agency that's happening too. That's really interesting. Like with the picture disappearing, right? Is he slowly maybe going to evaporate? Um, it says something about how like choice is this fluid thing. There's not hard determinism. Like they, it, it, he hadn't made a choice yet. He was still oscillating even after he punches Biff. Maybe, maybe George McFly is going to go back to being a dweeb and, and a guy without confidence. And it takes a while until he finally makes the choice, and then time locks into place. But up and up until a little while, there was this moment where he hadn't decided yet. 
and fate was waiting to see if he decided. I mean, I just love these like little little things. Um, it's also, it's also, really know movie, I was gonna say it's also like a great example of a movie that has this idea, right? Like time travel. He's gonna go back in time and change the future. But the rest of it is what makes it so good. Like all the his family, the characters, the the nuance in in how they interact. Like, like it's just one of those things. It's like not, nowadays movies are just the one thing. Like they have this idea, and that's all that's good about it is this like one idea. Whereas like this movie has this incredible time travel idea. Like like ET. ET is about an alien that visits this kid, but that's not really what makes that movie great. That they had this idea of an alien. What makes the movie great is the dynamics between the characters and the kid and the relationship and all that stuff. Maybe it's like a Spielberg thing. It's like, I'll make a movie on a shark attack. Okay. That like great premise. But then you make this, these characters, Quint and Brody and all, you know, all that shit that is what makes Jaws amazing. And, you know, I think this is like one of those great examples because I mean, is this the first like time trap? I know like Terminator was maybe before this, but like, Oh, Terminator was definitely before. And I'd be really careful to say this is the, first time travel movie ever in 1985 there was a lot of movies before that in fact i'm sure it wasn't but the it, first i time mean this movie. is what most people think of i mean in, in endgame there was a joke about like how all the shit they were talking about was time travel like did you get all of your ideas from back to the future and like yeah because yeah, that's what everybody thinks of time travel the rules are created maybe it's just it was so well at like spelling out the rules of time travel that people just assume oh, that's sure. Yeah, but that's fine. The other I mean, thing too is like you're saying that this like th- there's deeper things to it. The other thing that jumped out to me this time too is about like you know kind of related to how shitty things were in the '85 timeline, the original timeline. Um, because like, well, there's a Reagan critique in there. Well, there's there's that, but there's also about like how his father didn't chase the things that he loved and cared about. Like his dad wanted to write these science fiction stories. And it was all he cared about, and it was like his passion. It was what made him who he was. And he got rid of his dreams and got married, and you know, settled and and didn't pursue any of that. And then like Marty, who wants to be in a band, he wants to make music and be creative. And you know, there's a future where he doesn't do any of that stuff, which we see in Back to the Future too. But like um, when he meets his dad, he's like, I didn't know you did any of this creative stuff, and wrote stories and he's like well that's that's the hook of the movie like so let me just emphasize what you were just saying like yeah, it's the characters like and there's all the time travel stuff but the the heart of this is what if you could meet your parents when they were teenagers right yeah. like that's the baseline of the movie and the time travel stuff is complementary and accentuates that really i mean there's action and exciting and i wouldn't get rid of it for a second but like that's the doc Brown well, character on, who's he's, amazing he's this amazing character but he really doesn't even need to be in the movie at, at all for it to still be great no but he makes it greater oh, yeah. i mean there's a billion great facial reactions like uh when uh marty's mom comes to you know doc brown's yeah. place and he just gives them this like judgmental look as she walks past and is clearly has the hots for him. I mean, it's just great. Yeah, because um, so like, your mom is like wants you. Like, what the fuck are we doing, Marty? And he like leans against the car when he's just like completely fed up. Like, I cannot believe this is happening. And Marty's just like, no, he looks, he looks you like see him doc. scurrying around yeah. listening to the conversation. After, like, he's talking to to uh, Leah Thompson, and you see Doc Brown out of focus walking around the DeLorean and just, like, spying on the conversation. And even just little ones, when the little remote car, like, goes on fire and crashes into, like, the oil rags, and he just goes, Ooh! it's just for a second, and it's yeah. like, oh, what a, what a perfect, ridiculous expression. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you see how the, the broken remains of his parents' life, and he sees how, like, bummed out and unhappy they are, like... His dad's laughing at old whatever you know 50s reruns and his mom is clearly yet yeah, depressed and hates her life and her husband doesn't even see her anymore and, and he sees all this stuff um and he gets to see them as teenagers but it cuts both ways because of course uh, adults sometimes forget they were teenagers themselves and and seem to remember with rose-colored glasses like okay yeah she was drinking as a teenager she was pursuing boys boys she was smoking um so maybe don't be so judgmental about what teenagers are doing and gets to see what happened and who they were and why they got stuck in these patterns 30 years later 
um, I guess to see them as fully fledged humans. I mean, it's that's how it works because you just have all these characters and the absurdity situation. I mean, like this movie sets up a situation where, like, to save his own life, Martin Fly has to try to rape his own mother. I mean, that's literally like he's got to pretend to rape his own. That's literally what happens in a scene, and he's like, he can't do it. Ultimately, he's he, he gets saved by Biff in a sense. That's like the movie sets that up, and it's crazy uh, that 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 happens. Like that's this is a mainstream popular movie where that's literally like a, a huge linchpin for the the plot is that's what he's got to do. Yeah, it's you great. can't you can't um, overestimate how weird this movie is too. Like it's just a strange movie, like altogether. Like it, like I said, nowadays if they if this is a Netflix movie about time travel, they would never put the mom shit in there where. With the short, with the underwear, and she's in his room, and she great like th- that's such a weird thing to put in, and it doesn't need to be in it, but like that's the choice they made, you know what I mean? And like they let up, it's in the movie, but it's so strange. It is strange, but then you emphasize he's like, I, you know, you have to act a certain way, and you can't do it, and you don't know what. To, I mean, he's like sitting there, you see him wrestle with it. Um, but this is one like I, I literally notice something different every time, and not all of it's amazing. I don't think I've ever noticed the Goodyear like. There's a close up when he I, I don't know, I think it's after Marty is trying to get away from the Libyans, and he's like doing a, a donut or whatever, and there's just this close up of a Goodyear tire. It's just the one second where like it goes right to the camera, and it's just like oh, here's a little Goodyear product placement for Goodyear tires right in the middle of this movie. It's one good look at it. There's, um, a there's just a lot of great characters in this. Like, oh, Pepsi, Pepsi paid tab, a lot of money. Pepsi Zero. Like, can't give you Pepsi a tab. Free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it. Anyway, all kinds of stuff. But I, like uh, the scene after in the diner, he, he confront Marty confronts Biff, and Biff ends up crashing into the manure. Right? And Marty's goal is to get his mom interested in his dad. And you see Leah Thompson, like, even more enamored with Marty. And then out of focus, you see George McFly look around, and you see it look like, I can't compete with that. How am I supposed to compete with that? And he just slinks off. You see him walk off through the crowd. I've never noticed it before, but he's like, what the? He just, like, owned the school bully, and he just wandered off. Um, and, and you just see the sad look, and he gets crushed. It's great. It's just this great, subtle little like. Okay, here's the character. He's just walking out of frame, out of focus. It's like I've never noticed it before, but it's in line. How would you compete with that? You just look like a dope. Well, so I mentioned Spielberg. Like this is another one of those where before the credits even roll, it's just presented by Steven Spielberg. You know, like I mentioned Gremlins. How how many movies did he just sort of shepherd into existence where it's like he put sure, his name I- on it? I looked at his producer credits, it'd be insane. Like, yeah. Like, let's look at all of his He doesn't get enough credit for that of aspect of his career. You know, I mean, he's obviously a great director or whatnot, but, like, all these amazing movies where you think they're Spielberg movies, they aren't. He just produced it or put his name on it. Well, there's there's times where it feels Spielbergian in a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, the action sequences, the for sure. And, and, you know, the soundtrack is so great. Um like Biff has his own little riff inside, and there's just the main triumphant theme, which just—I mean—I just love hearing it. It just makes me happy to hear that. Is it John Williams? It's not John Williams, I don't think. Um, I don't know who did it. Uh, let's look it up. It's got a great score for sure. Whatever that score oh. is. Do you know? Um, so is this like, was this all like an original Zemeckis idea? Did he like yeah. come up with this time travel shit, the whole thing, and then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think he talks about it. It, it started with the like relationship part of this. What if you could see your parents when they were kids? What I mean, what would it be like? Because there's some stuff where we compare the '80s to the '50s, and the '50s looks really nice and and clean and bright, and the '80s is like dark and depressing, um, and that's there. But it's really just. What were your parents like when they were teenagers? Um, how did they become who they ended up being when they, you know, gave birth to you and raised you? Um, I think he built that up around them. But, I mean, he wanted to work on this for several years before it got made. Um, it just didn't seem to be racy enough, I guess, by 80s standards. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the original concept. It, it's incredible. Um, 
Because he wrote he wrote 1941, your favorite movie of all. That's your number one, right? Um, yeah. And then well, I didn't wrote, want to spoil it, but yes. He wrote used cars. I've never seen that. Is that worth seeing? I've never seen used cars either. Okay. I mean, and then this is one of those guys. I probably, I probably need to. I think used cars did well enough to let him make the movie. Uh, no, no, it's Romancing the Stone, which is a, a fun Indiana Jones ripoff. It's not amazing, but it's it's good. Um, I don't think he wrote that though. Oh, you're talking about writing credits. Got it. Um. Yeah, he did Romancing a Stone in 84 and then Back to the Future 85. Yeah, you're talking about... Um, let's see. No, I mean, I, I've have, not seen you. 19, 1941 must have been his... That's how he and Spielberg hooked up. Oh, sure. So, And we did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's a, another Zemeckis movie. Well, yeah, I mean, he got the thing where he got really into CGI. I've never seen, like, the... Uh, I've only seen part of the Polar Express. And it kind of got really into right? it. Did he make Beowulf? Like, he did all the 3D uh, shit, Oh, that too. was him. And he did Flight, which isn't a great movie, Cast but away. the action sequence with the, with the plane is great. Yeah, I mean, he did Forrest Gump. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of shit, yeah, um, for sure. Um, not, not much... Good in the last, I don't know, ten years, but dude, what else has he done? Did he do? I don't even know what he's done in the last ten years. Pinocchio. Yeah, Flight's the last thing I saw that I would consider at least. Oh, really? Yep. The witches. Welcome to Marwan. He's done some real woofs in the last oh, ten years. Oh. Okay. Okay. Welcome to Marwan. That's the. It's the fictional version of the real story um, of the person who built like a big complicated yeah. uh, model set in their basement. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see A Christmas Carol. I didn't care about it. I saw Beowulf and I barely remember, but it was okay. Flight was I, more good than bad, but it's certainly not great. I mean, yeah. I've never seen Contact. Contact's I haven't seen... good. Contact's good. Well, Lies Beneath is a movie people sometimes reference as being kind of a good scary movie. Oh, he did Death Becomes Her? Okay. Uh, And he got the story credit for Bordello of Blood. Weird career. What a weird director. Yeah, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, it's an original idea. It's very idiosyncratic. There's... It's weird. I I mean, there there probably had to be Back to the Future ripoffs, but I can't think of any. Like, what's a movie you think that, like, oh, they're doing Back to the Future, but this? Can you... A looper? Come to mind? I don't know. Looper? Well, that's more thriller than comedy, but sure. I mean, I guess. We can well, just put the, that the, in the time the comedy, the comedy sci-fi is such a hard thing to do, and it usually is really bad. No, it, sure. This movie is, like, it, honestly, it's it's... It's so unique in that way that it does. It's it's hokey. Like there's a lot of hokey stuff. Like the Huey Lewis saying, "That's too loud," and the, with the, I mean, that is you're just too darn loud. Yeah, it's it's goofy and it's uh, cartoonish. It's so broad, like in how that comedy is is presented, but it works. I don't. I can't even really say why. You know, the thing is, like, well, it does. Michael J. Fox, right? For me, he's like the coolest kid ever he's like he's bart simpson basically right i mean that's who oh he sure is. i wanted to be i wanted to be michael j fox yeah. for, he skateboards for section of my life for sure oh yeah. you know he he stands up for bullies but he's kind of a dork too he's a little guy like uh, oh yeah he's like, tiny yeah there's really no no character like that ever before or ever since that it's sort of like ferris bueller i think maybe that was a little bit they're they're sort of alike in that way Sort of, but he's not quite as clever as uh, Ferris Bueller. Not quite as like smarmy, and he doesn't well, talk to the camera. And you see his family; they're all a bunch of losers. You know what I mean? That's the that's the p- part of it too. So you ha- you have this sort of sympathy for him. You know, I mean, he's he's not just like the coolest kid in school. You could tell he's got problems. Is the no? He can't he can't take that kind of rejection. He's worried yeah. about his band. Um, Principal calls him a you know loser, slackers, family slackers. They'll never amount to anything. It's about his his genetic destiny is to be a loser. Um, 
For sure, and his band is rejected, and his dad, he can't take his uh, girlfriend to the lake because his dad let his boss slash bully drive his car, and he drove it drunk and crashed it. And you just see him look at his dad and just like, man, my dad is so pathetic. Uh, I, get your, just, I get your car towed all the way over here, and all you got for me is light beer? Yeah, like just that whole conversation is just insane. How was I supposed to? That's another thing I probably didn't. I didn't get right away. Was like, oh, how was I supposed to know your car has a blind spot? <laughs> like every car has a blind spot. It's a concept with cars. Um, there's nothing wrong with the manufacturer of a car with a blind spot. And I well, like, I didn't him, realize. Spill his beer. <laughs> yeah, because if I shouldn't have known. And uh, it, it's yeah, you, you see him look at his life and look at where he comes from, and he, he has this moment where you can see him thinking like, is this what my life's gonna be like? Is this gonna be me? His brother's working at a fast food place. I, I don't know what his sister's doing, uh, but she doesn't seem particularly happy either. <laughs> and Michael J. Fox even sleeps weird. I used to think the way he slept was so cool, like yeah. passed out awkwardly. It doesn't make any sense to me now, but it's like, oh, look, that guy sleeps cool. Um, and yeah, the humor works. I don't know, like Dork thinks he's going to drown. The lines work. The the heavy mass, which, is it yeah. things heavier in Why the 1980s? Why is so heavy, yeah. And and it works. And I mean, did you ha- did you laugh watching it this time? Oh yeah, like, I cracked have- up absolutely. Yeah, probably like three, three times. I I bust out laughing. Usually from Doc Brown, and I guess it's the writing and the everybody's so perfectly cast. I mean, it's yeah. a situation where I think there's really not any role I can imagine it working with a different actor. Like I, you Although, know, I, just I will don't see say, how. I think Leah Thompson lays it on a bit much. A bit okay. much. Just with all the dreamboat stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way the way she's acting with Kelvin Klein and how she's just totally in love. It's it's a bit it's a bit much. And maybe it's because like we also see her dress up as like an older woman, and I think she's laying it on heavy in there in that scene too, when she's making the cake. Oh, I guess your uncle won't be coming out of jail. We gotta eat this again. Yeah. By ourselves. Um. I. I mean, I just cause I, I think even down to like the drunk guy that's on the bench when Marty comes back to 1985. Could you have a more perfect, just random drunk person on the street, crazy drunk dry? I mean, could you put somebody else in that role and have it be as good? No, well, even like Biff, like that guy, like who? who oh, Tom Biff, Wilson is incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm always like bummed out that he didn't have more of a career because like he's great in this role and he's he's got a, a kind of recurring role in the show Freaks and Geeks, which is one of the best TV shows ever, and he's incredible in that role. Um, but like even the comedy like, with Biff, like like the, the make like a tree and get out, like how, that's so stupid, but it's funny. And also the the scenes where and they do it I think twice in this movie and I think repeated in the second one we can talk about Back to the Future too I, that movie is fucking awful like I've I well you and it I disagree it is about awful. you rewatch it no I didn't rewatch okay. it now we actually actually watched the first two with my kids like in September so uh, recently okay. saw this I watched it again but anyways like the, where he trips where where Marty trips Biff and then. He's like, yeah, I got it. And then Biff stands up and he's like way taller than him. And the look that Marty gives him. Yeah. Like, dude, that's such a broad comedy, like slapstick joke. It works, though. I mean, like it's so cartoonish. But for whatever reason, it, it works. And I think that's like as a little kid, that's the stuff I remember. Those types of scenes, that, that thing being funny. Biff landing in manure and the the guy that becomes mayor just like, whoo. Like just it's it's dumb. I mean, it's a stupid joke, but it works. Yeah, I mean, the humor does all land. I guess we can't talk about after the future too. I haven't rewatched it recently, so I mean, it's probably been three years or something. I don't know when the last time I it's saw Back to really Future Part Two. I think I, think I it's like, like a, it way more than you do. Movie. Oh, Mike, I, I think it's when Michael J. Way Fox better than you do, dresses but. in drag as his whole family. It's so dumb. 
Is there just rehashing so that, jokes from this movie too? It, it, I think it's a bad. Oh, well, they movie. definitely do that. Um, I, it is more oh, like see, that. I, like, I love like seeing... Doc and Marty going on a time travel adventure. It's like more Rick and Morty esque than this movie is. Oh, it gets crazy. I mean, I like seeing I like seeing the future a lot as a kid. But now, what I like more is the when he has to go back to 1955 and avoid himself and run around again. That was the part that that on rewatches. I like more and more because it's so insane and crazy. Um, so I, I don't know, but I mean, yeah. And Tom Wilson is one guy like it's funny, but he also manages to be scary. Like I used to think Biff seemed like a really scary dude, less scary now as an adult, but still I remember maybe it's just because of the scenes of him looking so big, but just like the ominous way he talks, just so threatening and intimidating. And it's just like, man, this guy, you really, really nailed it. Um, I don't know. I think he, he does the delicate balance of creating enough danger and tension in the plot while also being kind of buffoony at the same time. Um, oh, no, it still works. That's what I was going to say. It, it, I've seen this movie so many times, and I still get, like, when Doc is on top of the clock and he's got to figure out the electrical wires the suspense in time for the lightning bolt to yeah. hit. It works. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! I I, I know what's going to happen. I know he's going to make it back to 1985. That's going to be fine. But it's still tense in that moment. Still like, I'm still invested. I'm still worried and stressed. He's on top of there. I'm like, is he good there in time? Like that still happens. The Marty having to get the machine working and then eventually just exasperated, hitting his head on the. I mean, just it's still it's amazing to me that it still works. Well, Not every movie does that. When you know it's going, it loses its tension. And it's all um, tight, it's too. It's all tight, like, with, the, like, the, I mean, I'm sure there's potholes. There's a few things that I, I don't make sense to me. But, like, oh, sure. I, I remember thinking, you know, there's the scene where where Doc shows him how time travel works in the parking lot at the mall. And then he's about to, he he's the one that's supposed to go back in time. He's the one that's supposed to do the time travel. Or, no, he's going to go to the future. And, like, he sits down, and he's got his, his, his suitcase, and he's like, oh, my God, I almost forgot. How am I going to get back home? I don't have plutonium. And then then the Libyan guys show up. and But I remembered, like, I was like, oh, wait, that's that's right. That's why Marty can't just come back, because Doc didn't put forgot to put the plutonium into the car before he was going to do the trip. So it's like they even thought that through. It's like, okay, so we get, need to get Marty – in the past, but he's got to be stuck there. So how would he be stuck there? Oh, well, let's assume Doc forgets to put, you know, an extra set of plutonium in there. All right, well, that works. And it just, it ties it all up together. You know what I mean? Like where there's these, these these things that need to happen, but story-wise, they actually make sense why it doesn't happen. The one that that jumped out to me that doesn't make any sense, why does Biff and George, why do they work together? Like, in what world do these fucking guys... From the same high school, like who they're, you know, he's picked on. They, he doesn't like him. Yeah, he did his homework and stuff. But like, where they would end up working at the same company, where George works uh, under Biff, like that doesn't make any sense. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, so I mean, they got married young, had kids young, and got a job somewhere in town. Is the but Hill Valley is not like why? some like country ass town. It's like a suburbs. But it's a pretty town. small. It's a pretty small town, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know how big you they think it is. Uh, it doesn't look too like a, uh, Sears or JC. In the eighties, or... they don't have the. That's in the eighties, but we're talking about people that, you know, this is the fifties, so people got no, no, married shortly out of high the, school. In the 80, 1985, Biff and George right, worked but at together. some point they got a job in the sixties or whatever, and they worked at that company for twenty years. I don't know. I mean, I think that was just the old way of doing it. Like you'd be a you'd be a company man, and you just work for the same company for a long time. And Biff got ahead probably because he bullied George into doing his work for him, so he looked like a better but, employee. But so, the whole so, Biff uh, just, George they, thing is confusing they and problematic. From, they graduate from high school, right? And in the original timeline, sure. George punches Biff. Or no, no. In the original timeline, George doesn't punch Biff at all. Biff must have continued to torment Lorraine, but she still falls in love with George and they get married and have kids. Does Biff and then and then George and Biff work for the same company. Does Biff never like pursue Lorraine at any point after high school? Like that whole thing is weird. I, 
He probably did. I don't know. I mean, he, he says to Marty, say hi to your mom for me. Uh, um, I mean, that that's not explored or explained. Their whole relationship is weird. Because then when we get the new timeline, their relationship is flipped. Biff doesn't work. But he, I mean, he's like, it's... He's cleaning his car. Is George yeah. paying Biff? Yeah. Is George paying him to, like, wax his car? Is he his personal and assistant why is or something? So, yeah. Biff got hit so hard that he becomes pathetic and a loser. Um, that's kind of what it looks like. He, he brings in the box. Oh, George, it's here's this box. Yeah. I think it's your new book. And he's so excited. And yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. He seems like a guy that, um, yeah, would have probably ended up like, drunk working in a manual labor somewhere uh, sure um i mean the whole thing so like crispin glover was frustrated with the end of back to the future because after the timeline gets adjusted and it's hinted at earlier in the plot like everything is referenced perfectly from like we're in the mall i remember when this is nothing but cornfields or farmland and mm-hmm. then we see him go from the mall to i mean it's all old man peabody you stole all this land yeah he had a weird thing about like breeding pine trees, um, and that's what that's this, when this, Marty crashes his car. He's like, "Oh, you hit my pine! Get off my pine trees!" What'd you do? Yeah, is this what'd you do to my pine trees? Right, yeah. it's all all for sure. But there's a scene before Marty goes back to 1985, um, and you know, Doc's like, "Marty, Marty, did you take care of your pop?" And I was like, "Yeah, you should have seen him. He hit Biff in one punch." Took him out cold. He's never stood up to Biff in his entire life. And Doc Brown's like, wait, not once? And he pauses and thinks for a second. And Marty looks at him and he's like, God, never mind. And they have to move on to doing all the stuff to get Marty back to 1985. Hints that something shifted crazily. But the reward is his family is now rich. Um, I guess kind of a dick to Biff now. Now the revolts are reversed. Biff is now pathetic, and they're rewarded financially. So yeah, he's pursuing his dreams, but he's also just making a shitload of money. Um, it's weird. It's a weird like financial reward. I don't know. It, it this always bothered Crispin Glover, and it kind of makes a little sense to me. And it's especially when you look specifically at George and Biff's relationship, it is weird. Um, you just I guess have to assume they're stuck in the same behavior patterns, right? Like he's doing Biff's homework for him in high school, so Biff is able to graduate high school even though he's dumb. Um, and, you know... Well, he's also being rewarded company. for physical violence, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. he, he's punching another person, and his whole life is better because he did that. Or is that the message we really right. said, you know? Right, right. No, no it's, a, it's a fair thing. Although, in his sense, he is stopping a guy from raping a woman. So I would say punching somebody who's about to... Uh, commit rape is is justified violence. So I, I would say I that's would my hot that. take. I'd agree but with yes. that. But but it makes him a great person that he did it, and it gives him confidence that hey, you should run for class president. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, and of course they live at the exact same place. And Marty gets now a nice big truck to drive that's brand new to take you know well, his last. To the another lake. reason that Back to the Future Two sucks. Is that Chris? What Chris McGarver, You, I think you told me this, or maybe my brother did. That yeah. he's not. He they wanted nothing to do with it, and they used right. the footage of him without his permission. And they actually had an actor that is playing him that you can't really see his face, right? And so didn't he sue them? Or right, he's in like Crispin Glover makeup. Yeah, yeah, he won, and he won. Like they Which used his likeness without bullshit. his rights. I cannot believe they did that. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, uh, and now I think they just handle it with contracts. Like, if you do the first movie, they have the right to use your likeness for future movies. Or whatever. I'm sure you just deal with new new contracts because of it. But yeah, it's a it's a crummy move. Um, and yeah, they either didn't want to pay him what he was asking for, he didn't want to do it for whatever reason, and he wanted to move on, do different roles. So yeah, no, it's it's he's a uh, weird he's a weird bit, guy, right? Crispin Glover, well, really so strange. It, so it, you've talked about like people with artistic merit and whether people should do commercials and don't they have enough money? Why are they doing commercials? They're belittling themselves. Crispin Glover is a very weird dude. I mean, he's as weird as you think, but he he's a guy who will do a big commercial movie and then he'll take that money and make some crazy project that almost nobody's going to see because he wants it to exist. Um, so like he did um, 
Wonder Probably the Super Alice in Wonderland. Maybe he did both. Yeah, he'll do He's, stuff like that. Yeah. Get a big payday. And all right, now I've got my money. I'm going to use it to make some crazy small movie that's so bizarre that almost nobody will see art installation. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And it's like, whatever. I mean, I, I admire that. Right? That's as much artistic yeah. take as you're going to get. Like, one for them, and then I'm going to make some crap that I want to make that I'll have enough money and I'll do it on the cheap. And hey, no, he's a very weird dude. Um, I mean, he's also in one of the Friday the 13th movies before this, I think part four, maybe. I don't remember which one it is. He's in one of the one of them. And yeah, he's a strange dude, but he's perfect in this role. Uh, I mean, it's he's incredible as this George McFly. I mean, he's, he's just, I'm just incredible. not Again, ready. I can't, I can't fathom it. that type of rejection, like the, the, his cadence. There's no yeah. one that talks the way he does. Like, I'm I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. And That's just his eyes good. are so intense, and he That's just looks so good. scared, so bad. Well, good. Um, he's just like, I don't. I think she'd rather go with someone else. Um, Biff. Oh, he's he's incredible. Um, and it, yeah, and you guess I guess mentioned there is like a cartooniness to it. It's not like Home Alone too bad, but like he goes into the diner, he's like, "Give me a milk, yeah, chocolate." Yeah. And five seconds, not even like two seconds later. He's sliding it down the bar. It's ready to go. And he chugs it and slams it. Like, that's not really plausible. The guy wouldn't have the milk ready that fast. I doubt he would slide it down. He didn't worry about payment. Uh, as far as we know, George, like, leaves and doesn't doesn't pay for the chocolate milk that he ordered. But it just kind of works for the, the energy and the vibes of the movie. Um, but, yeah, it's very much in the – this is cartoony. And even all the skateboarding stuff is very bizarre. Um but, but, but I mean, I love it. Like when he it feels, has such an impact on people skateboarding. That I, this movie, I'm sure, of the the skateboarding explosion was directly caused by Marty skateboarding oh, in this movie. Maybe as cool as it looked for him, I never wanted to skateboard. But like, just oh. the music when he walks across Biff's car and the skateboard goes underneath it, and you hear that. Yeah. And can we just talk about how stupid Biff's? I mean. He's gonna ram him, even if he, even if Marty doesn't get out of the way. He's ramming a guy into a thing of manure. Like yeah. that's where it's gonna happen. Best case scenario is you get like manslaughter while your car is covered in shit. Like that, that was the best outcome for what he could have done there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's triumphant and exciting. And there's just so many times where like, oh, he's got all these cool eighty skills that he uh, manages to finagle. Um, but I mean, it's the one like I, I always find myself. I do end up thinking about this movie because um, there's just something about agency and choice that's really being said. Because um, it's not instantaneous. In a lot of time travel movies, you go back in time and it's done. It'll be set instantly. Um, it's not really the. This isn't the chaos theory where like where the you know have you ever seen the butterfly effect? Mm-hmm. The Aston Kutcher movie. Yep. That movie, like, he changes one thing and his life is just radically different. This, Marty's changing quite a lot, but life in the future is relatively the same. Same house, all the same kids are born, everything happens. There's a an elasticity to the timeline that can get broken, like it, when Biff gets the almanac in part two. Um, but otherwise, people get to choose and their fate isn't, isn't ultimately decided. Um, oh, and I always loved, this is, is a, just the when he's wearing the hazmat suit and he just does the Walkman with the Eddie Van Halen. I mean, there's a billion references I never got. I don't think I, I don't know that uh, how long it took me to notice that Ronald Reagan is showing in the marquee of the movie theater. Like literally the movie, yeah. it's like uh, the cattle wranglers yeah. daughter or something like that. Like, Oh, he's a little starting there, which makes who's, it who's sound the more Ronald Reagan. Yes. <laughs> yes. The actor. <laughs> like uh, who's the vice president, Jerry Lewis. Um, and just well, runs I mean, around and you someone from you know 2016 to, you going back to 2002 like, president Donald Trump? Trump? Say Mogul? what oh yeah um and all that like even then I've just like never noticed like the Davy Crockett song is like this new record that's out and one of you know Caroline era uh, Leah Thompson's you know, little brothers is wearing a Davy Crocker hat like I've never made that connection before this time. Like, oh, yeah, he's a kid who's into this popular song about Davy Crockett, and he wants a Davy Crockett hat to 
just fit in. It's great. And who the hell is John F. Kennedy? I mean, just all these little things like just pick up these little pop culture references I've never gotten. This is also a movie. I was at, at one of my cousins was in a play and I went to the play and, you know, my cousin's dad was teasing me about something. My uncle, I called him a bastard because of this movie. I didn't realize bastard was like a really egregious thing to call somebody. He was just teasing me about something. He's like, you're a bastard. Because I thought, hey, Marty McFly calls people bastards. It seems okay. I was like, oh, I saw the reaction. I got in trouble with my mom for saying it. I just visibly remember uh, that just being one of those like little things, just connection points in my life was getting in trouble because of this movie. I'm thinking bastard or something you say. If only you could go back in time time at the play and tell yourself not to say that. Yes, of all the things I'd go back in time for, that'd be probably number one on the list, I think. I mean, you can talk about killing Hitler as a baby. Would you go back in time? Would you jump in the DeLorean and go back to a certain time? It sounds so fascinating. Like, I can't... I mean, can you imagine seeing... Like, I can't imagine... Like... My dad's dead. Spoiler alert. My mom's old. I can't imagine seeing them as teenagers. Like, I can't fathom that. Can you imagine? Why like, would you want to go back and see stuff in your life? That's that's the thing I don't I wouldn't understand. want that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. That well, would, he didn't to mean me, that to go back to Right. He, and he didn't mean to no, meet I his parents. Right. Yeah. And all those were accidents. He didn't mean to go to 55, but I just, I can't even fathom that. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, there's a billion things. Yeah, I'd want to do, but I'm also like, yeah, would I be screwing up the timeline? When you really think about like your own life and, and whether I mean, it wouldn't take much if your parents have sex on a different night. It's not you anymore, right? Like it'd be different sperm cell. I, I mean, like literally for you to exist, everything had to happen in an exact precise way. Um, and I don't know that I buy the one timeline theory. I kind of think there are multiple timelines. Like if you're yeah, more really an end, end game type of guy where there's different branches. I guess. Yeah. I think there's a timeline where Marty went back to 1955 and they never, he never got back to that timeline. There's just one where Marty went missing and doc Brown got shot and everybody, nobody knows what the hell happened and they'll never know. Um, and then there's one where he went to 1955 and met his parents and there's just all these different timelines. That's, that's, I've always kind of bought the, each time you jump into a timeline, you create it's a new separate reality, and they're just splintered off like this. Um, but I, I mean, no, I'd be scared. I mean, I, if there's a way I could go back and be sure that I wouldn't mess anything up, there'd be a billion cool things to see. You could see bands in their prime um, on certain tours or before they got famous. I mean, like, I am you in Iowa City. All right, this dinky little venue. Led Zeppelin played there once in like 1969 or whatever before wow. they got big. I mean, like being able to go in and see something like that, like, oh, this is the Led Zeppelin. You could go see crazy amounts of history. Just even seeing like the 50s, what were the 50s actually like? Was it as bright and clean as this? Um, you could go back and see it, all those high powered Iowa offenses from like the 80s and 90s and 2000s. You could go back to the 50s and 60s when the Gophers were actually a good football team. You have to go way far back. You can go back to the 70s and watch the Vikings lose a bunch of Super Bowls. Okay, so yeah, you turned that on me. I see what you did there. Well, I'm just, if you want to. Um, I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, the idea of seeing different stuff or seeing the future sounds really, really cool. I was thinking about, um, like, like guess, if you were a situation like Marty where you're just, like, accidentally transported to another time, and like, say he couldn't, say he just the DeLorean's broken, like he can't get back. Like, what does he do for like? Would he? Would he? Like, and I think about myself as like, would I be able to get myself super wealthy? Because like, I have the knowledge of the future, right? But I don't really have it because I don't have my cell phone. I can't Google shit. I can't look stuff up. Like, do I in my own brain have the ability to like? I don't know, become rich and, and successful or, or or just whatever, just create things that haven't been created yet. Uh, it probably would be useless in the past. I, if I'm just being honest best with I myself. Do is, 
is is spotty sports betting maybe like could I remember like when certain teams won a Super Bowl? If you're in 1955, maybe. I couldn't remember who won it in 56 or 60 or 75. It would take 20 years before I'd have any sort of knowledge of things that started happening. Yeah, that would take it would take 15 years at least before I think I mean like the 72 Dolphins went undefeated. I remember that right? Like, like okay, in 1972, I could place a huge bet on the Miami Dolphins to win the Super Bowl at the start of the season and make a shitload of money. That's probably, that's what I can do off the top of my head. Um, yes, you know, like 15, 17 years later, you're able to make a bet and make some money, you know. Right, Iowa go, is going to go to a Rose Bowl in the in the late 50s at some point, but I don't even remember the exact years. So that, that would be also about as close as I can get as far as sports go. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be bad. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't was, know, what, what like, would you oh, invest in? Right, or, or well, yeah, I mean, eventually there's like Apple. I'd go big on Apple or whatever. But like, if I'm like, hey, you know, in the future we're gonna have these cell phones, and you're gonna be call each other, you'll be able to watch videos and stuff. Like, I wouldn't be able to explain how to make that. Like, oh I, sure, I, mean, I couldn't I have no invent idea what anything. It is. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, there There's was this thing called the internet. I, I would be thinking, like, well, what is that? It's a computer. What's a computer? Like, I wouldn't be able to explain that to anybody. What's going to be invented in the 70s? Like, yeah, I mean, is there's who's going to do the first computer? Is it IBM? Do I invest money in IBM because they're going to have the first computer? And, you know, I, I have no idea. Like, you couldn't stop would... wars from happening? What, are, what, are you, what is one person going to do? Even though if you know, like, you know, don't go to Vietnam. Like, just don't. It's bad. It's not good for anyone. Like, who, who do you convince of that? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, nobody. I mean, you'd have to, like, get in JFK's administration and then, like, hey, LBJ, I'm not a yes man. It's just going to be really bad. Don't do it. Um, don't don't get involved in Vietnam. A lot of people are going to die and it's going to be expensive and shitty. Don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can get into politics. Obviously, you have to deal with the rampant racism because, of course, segregation still going on um, in huge chunks of the country. Um, civil rights is about to happen. So yeah, I don't know how you'd make money in 1955 of all those years. Um, it just makes me feel yeah, useless. I it's like I, I would theoretically and have all the knowledge of the future, but I really don't have <laughs> any knowledge of well, anything. Well, that's true. It also showed this movie like one of those things is just the how relevant just being in the culture is to knowing how stuff works, right? Like Marty's trying to open a Pepsi. He's trying to twist off the cap. Yeah. So he's like, how do you work this? How to get this off? And George just comes in and like, oh. There are these built-in bottle caps in the 1950s. You just pop them off. It's easy, but he just doesn't know because he doesn't have the cultural reference points. So he doesn't know how to do stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of that, too. It's like, you know, I guess we think of them as retrograde, but there's all these little ways they did stuff. Oh, like another thing I noticed, like when he's writing the letter to Doc Brown, he's got a pen, but he's got to put ink in the pen, right? It's oh, not yeah. like a yeah. ballpoint pen where you just have ink. He's got a put ink in the pen so we can write down the message to Doc Brown to save his life. Like, I've never noticed. Oh, yeah, literally, you're seeing the bottle of ink. Because, yeah, you'd have to, like, handwrite everything. You couldn't type anything. I'd be screwed because my handwriting is just utter dog crap. So it'd be like, oh, how do I write stuff? You have typewriters, if anything, and you can't. There's no deleting and going back. Um, Phones are everywhere. Like, you know, it's just, it'd it'd be insane to even be in the 50s. Um, but it'd be fascinating to see, like, things at the height when he says, oh, he'll say, what they do to the place? It's brand new. It's such a bad joke, but it kind of works. This is one of those ones, like, obviously it is new. You would think he would know that in 1955, the high school was a new building. Yeah. But he's like, oh, gosh, they cleaned up the place. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but I did, so... I found a world-famous movie critic, and this is this is what they wrote about Back to the Future. Would it be polemic to call this a perfect film? Admittedly, I've watched it so many times that my judgment is suspect, but it has a sort of sublime symmetry in which almost every line of dialogue and situation repeats itself in different contexts to great effect. The film pulsates with its 1980s cultural aesthetic, but rather than being a problem, this is one of the films with its endearing qualities. Add to that several brilliantly conceived and acting characters centered around the chemistry of Michael J. Fox, dorky Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd's wacky Dr. Emmett Brown, and I cannot conceive of not loving this film another 28 years in the future. In fact, I can't really conceive of anyone not at least liking this film. So if you're one of those weirdos who doesn't be warned, this is a gushing review of Back to the Future. You should probably stop reading right now. Um, I won't go. There's a lot more. This this world-famous critic really gushes about the movie. Um 
And this is actually, I wrote this a long time ago when I was aspiring to be a, you know, a Brian Eggert um, before just realizing I was, I was a failure. Um, but I mean, I, I've loved this movie a very, very long time. Um, and I, I guess one of the things that's always, one of the things faster me is how does Marty and Doc Brown become friends in the first place? It's a, it's what, an absolute mystery. What is the basis for their relationship? It's actually the thing. Like, why the, is this the old principal? The principal's like, why are you hanging out with that guy? It's the one thing the principal says is like, good advice. Like, yeah, why the hell is this high school kid? Hanging why does out the with... principal know about this though? Because it's obviously some weird situation that like, Marty, you're a high school kid. Why are you hanging out with this weird doctor guy? Strickland see the two together? Are you still? Ha- I mean, how does he know that? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it fascinates me. Um, yeah, I don't have a um, lot else to say. I don't. I mean, it's five stars for me. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect like sci-fi comedy family '80s movie. Doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all these things coalesce into a laser precise comedy, which masterfully bends wit, humor, and pathos in a funny, smart, and endlessly, literally endlessly entertaining film. In short, it is perfect. Five out of five for me. Yeah, this is um, long ago, right before I had my first kid, Eric, I was living in uptown Minneapolis, um, had a night to myself, and I walked to the uptown cinema, put in my iPod, I still had an iPod back then, that ancient device, walked to the theater, which was having a midnight screening of Back to the Future, ordered a summit EPA, sat there and watch Back to the Future and it was just an incredible night. Mm. A plus, 5 out of 5. Great way to spend the night, uh, spend an evening and then walk back. I've never seen it in the movie theater, so that's really cool. Yeah, it was was great. Uh, And I don't don't think Uptown Cinema is around anymore. I think it might have gotten bankrupt because of COVID. I'm not sure, but um, I I think it looks like it was shut when we were last in Minneapolis. I'm pretty sure I saw Back to the Future 2 in the theater because I remember there was this Rumor amongst my friend group, and this is how stupid, like, you know, fourth graders are, is that they were giving out hoverboards at certain screenings. If you went to the movie, you could get a hoverboard, like, from the movie, like an actual working hoverboard. It was this rumor. I don't, maybe it was just among my friends and we're all dummies, but. Oh. I remember uh, I mean, going yes. to the movies, like, did they, did they give out the hoverboards yet? Do we, are, are we, do we get one? Like, no, they're not, they don't exist. They're not, we're not giving out our reports. Uh, I do miss, like, the days where you'd get insane rumors and you couldn't verify them. Yeah. Like, it, 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 video games especially would have crazy rumors, like, oh, you can unlock this or do this thing. And it was just, like, made-up nonsense and it wasn't true, but you didn't have any ways of verifying it. So I, I never – I mean, I don't remember the hoverboard rumor, and I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I would have wanted to go for a hoverboard. I mean – the hoverboard seemed like as cool as the skateboarding was. The hoverboard looked like the coolest shit of all time to me. I mean, did you at least like Back to the Future Two when you were a kid? Oh, I loved it absolutely. I just saying, rewatching it as an adult, I found it really bad. Now, I mean, the thing I didn't I don't like about Back to the Future Two and Three is they add this weird thing where Marty McFly can't handle being called the chicken all of a sudden. Like if you question his manhood yeah. or masculinity, he just like will do anything. Yeah. Like wait, that there's so much about two and three that is actually like there's bits of it in the first movie. Like oh, they took this the history of Hill Valley. Okay, we've got a western about the history of Hill Valley. Okay. Um, I mean we've got stuff about him going to the future. Um, but boy, he's just like can't handle being called the chicken. Punch that cop, Eric. Oh, you're not gonna do? What are you, a chicken? You call me a chicken, Ben. Ooh. You punch it like, is there no limit to it? But um, I do like Flea. I mean, he's a fun addition to part two, I think, but maybe disagree. But yeah, five out of five as well. Should we uh, dive in into our uh, five degrees of separation? Sure. Yeah. If you build it, you will come. If you got um, it, you can go I, up. I, I've got it. So... Um, there's a lot of really tiny, tiny roles in this movie. Um, like Billy Zane has a very bit part as one of Biff's minions. Yep. Um, in part two, we get a little bit of Elijah Wood and, and there's all these little ones, but the, the one I went with is to see, it, it, this is the first time I've actually really had the like flash of recognition. There's a guy, the guy after he, after George is at the enchantment under the seat dance and he's, you know, 
dancing, this redheaded kid comes and he's like, Scram, McFly, I'm yeah. cutting in. And it's this redheaded dweeb. And I'm like, man, I recognize this guy. What do I recognize from? The actor is Courtney Gaines. He's in a few 80s movies. He's in Children of the Corn, the first one. He's like the old ones like, Outlander, we have your woman. Anyway, he's also in The Burbs, which is my connection movie here. Um, so he's in the and he's in a few other things. I mean, he's just got kind of been around a bunch um, and you know, never been a, a big superstar or anything. But The Burbs is one of those movies I've not seen in a long time. But boy, do I uh, uh, really need to rewatch it. Um, and then, so Burbs have a, a lot of great roles, um, but I'm going to Bruce Dern, who's one of the creepy neighbors that lives yep. next to Tom Hanks. Bruce Dern is in Nebraska um, with a lot of people. Another movie I've not seen in a long time, but I very much love. Um, also in that movie is uh, June Squibb, who plays uh, you know Bruce Dern's wife, I think. Um, and June Squibb is in Hubie Halloween, <laughs> an Adam Sandler comedy from 2020 that I've not seen. I know nothing about and don't ever plan on watching unless you pick it for this podcast um, with Ray Liotta is in that movie. Ray Liotta's uh, in that? Oh, wow. That's funny. Oh, yeah. He has a late like late career comedy scene where he plays like a serious tough guy and and making kind of shitty comedies. But uh, And then Ray Liotta's in Field of Dreams. So that's my five degrees of separation. Okay. I went with uh, Tom Wilson, our guy Biff. Uh, oh, sure. Couldn't I mean he's in a lot of things, but nothing that I would ever recognize. You know, him the only I think it. of is is the Heat, the Wilson McCarthy, Sandra Bullock. That's, That's the, the movie I movie picked. I think the, this that the sure. Heat. I actually think that movie's pretty funny. But it was I, funny. I, Melissa I don't McCarthy. Have... I, I'm always down for whatever she's doing. Like she she's great. She's I'm a big. Oh, fan I of sometimes her. get Melissa McCarthy out. Really. Uh, um, she had a lot of exposure for a lot of years, and it didn't always work. But I love Tom Wilson that role because he's this exasperated cop, and he's like, uh, he's just so beat down. He's just—it's a great take on the exasperated police chief. Anyway, uh, Michael Sorry. Rappaport is in that movie as well. Uh, he's in a movie called Deep Blue Sea. Okay, that's the shark one with yep. a bunch of people. Okay, yep, uh, shark where Samuel Jackson—he's in that, and he gets. Spoiler, he gets killed right away. It's pretty funny. Um, he's in Goodfellas with Ray Liotta, and Ray Liotta's in Phil okay. Dreams. So I also use Ray Liotta. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Awesome. All right. Oh, man, deep Lucy. So that's Back to the Future. Ben's number two. Favorite movie of all Correct. time. Yeah, that's my uh, yeah. So now cool. we're doing my number one. We're down to number ones here. So this is the Countdown, we've gone from five to one. This is my number one movie. Uh, should, right, I get, should I give you clues to see if you can guess it, Ben? Sure, give me some clues. Okay. All right, clue number one. Um, the original inspiration was a horror film called Black Sabbath from 1963 by Italian filmmaker Mario Brava. Okay, doesn't do much for me yet, but okay. Thinking uh, zombies. The movie was shot on 50 ASA film stock, which is the slowest film stock they make. And the reason they use it is it created an almost no grain image effect. Okay. Not helpful. No. Uh, the movie had a budget of eight million and it made 213 million. Okay. Nope. Uh, Danny DeVito is a producer of this movie, and he was a major reason that it got made. Danny DeVito. Okay, nope, give me number five. Uh. I mean, it's not Dan Uh, I'll give you, well, I'll give you, I'll give you six. I'll give you one more, because I thought it was kind of interesting, and then I'll give you the one that, you'll probably get it from this one. Um. <laughs> The, the one I thought was interesting is that one of the producers wasn't Danny DeVito, but a different producer, a famous producer, uh, wanted Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. to play the lead, but the director of the movie refused, wanted somebody else. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Okay, uh, this one should give it away because it says a lot about the director. So the director convinced his co-writer to forfeit his agreed-on co-writing credit and accept a story-by credit so that the line written directed by blank could be used in advertising and on screen. Is it Pulp Fiction? It is Pulp Fiction, yep. Okay. That's correct. The horror thing threw me way off. I was just so flummoxed, like... The what? Based on a horror Oh, yeah. Horror it's movie? A, well, well it's you be- said it was based... Yeah, inspiration so- was a horror movie from 1960. Yeah, apparently Ro- sorry, Roger just- Avery, who is the co-writer of Pulp Fiction, had originally had this, like... The sh- this short idea of these different stories that came together, and I guess that movie, this horror movie, has like three parts that come together in different times, and uh, that's where they use that that idea. Okay. But yes, my number one favorite movie of all time is Pulp Fiction. That, yeah, that just that really is like I kept thinking of horror movies, and I was so so confused about the horror movie angle. But okay, the structure is what sort of inspired i think so i don't know i might need to check out black sabbath from 1963 i feel like he probably wouldn't like it as much as quentin tarantino but who knows um all right no sounds good i mean i i pulp fiction's uh it's not a shitty movie let's let's put that let's let's do an understatement there it's it's it doesn't suck so let's talk pulp fiction next week and then we'll we'll reveal your number one favorite movie oh yeah it's 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 ready to go it's locked and loaded all right. All right. Well, great, Scott. Thanks for listening. Marty, it's your density. I mean, your destiny. Like and subscribe to the podcast. All right. Bye-bye.